Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, November 14, 2019, and today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 5, and we're on page 68, the second paragraph. Perhaps there is a better way. Today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Naomi B., for the 12 Traditions, Nancy T., and reading the text are Lauren N., Leon B., and Kelly S. The reference numbers for Wednesday, November 13th, are for the 7 a.m., 13657, that's 13,657, and for the 10 a.m., are 13659, that's 13,659. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Naomi B. to read the 12 steps. I'm here, Kelly. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I'm Katie. Okay, thank you, Kelly. Uh Hi, I'm Naomi B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia with 12 steps. One, we admitted we are powerless, powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrong. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we are wrong, promptly admit it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice practice these principles in all our affairs. And I can't wait till tomorrow. Thank you, and I love you. Bye. Thank you, Naomi. Okay, I will now ask Nancy T. to read the 12 Traditions. Thanks, Mara. This is Nancy T. from Lewiston, Idaho, currently in Newark, New Jersey. And the 12 Traditions are common welfare to come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group content. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And while anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever remind us to place principles before personalities. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Nancy. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share. But we, we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 68, the second paragraph, perhaps there is a better way. And I will ask Lauren N to begin reading. Good morning. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. For we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns just to the extent that we do as he think as we think he would have us do and humbly rely on him does he enable us to match calamity with serenity wow um that is a new way to live today in the past well, forget the past. I'm so grateful that I can live today relying on 
my God and my God believes in me, my God knows that I have a way of, or I can live this life in a clear and grateful way of living. I rely on my God so that I can have serenity because the calamity is mostly gone in my life today. Of course, you know, I'm human and it comes up and I have this fellowship to remind me that when my faith is questioned or um, when I'm having problems believing and holding on, I can only I can turn to so many of you who remind me every day that I have a higher power and the higher power and my higher power will hold my hand and help me get through whatever it is that I'm fearful about. I am so grateful, so grateful today that I have this way of life and I no longer live life in the calamity that I used to live. I used to go from one calamity to the next. All self-created, all holding on to my own beliefs and, and no longer am in that. Thank God there's a better way. Thank God I have learned this better way. And praying a lot helps. I say the serenity prayer, the lay-aside prayer, a lot. And with that, I will pass. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to see you all. Okay. Can't wait to see you, Lauren. And so um, we are on the um, second paragraph on page 68. Who would like to share? Chuck K. from Georgia. Katie G. from Boston. Reva P. G. Reva P. Sandra Elise. Elise N. I'm sorry, Elise. Elise. Is it Elise? Elise N. Christina Elise J. Santa A. Okay, that's a that's a good Kim G. Was that Kim? Okay. Okay, this is who I got. Um Chuck K, Katie G. Reva P, Melissa C, Elise Ann, Chris, I think it was Chris J. I'm not sure. I I, I wrote CHR. Um, and Santa H. Yes, it was. It was Christina J. Christina J. I thought there was more to that. Okay. Thank you so much, Christina. And um, that's seven. So go ahead, please, Chuck K. Hey, this is Chuck from Georgia. Can you hear me? I can. Hey, uh, I'm surprised I got in this morning. I really appreciated that beautiful share just a moment ago. And one of the things that I really liked about this part of the book is the use of we. And that reminds me that this book was not written by one person. Of course, I don't even believe this book was really written by 
a person. I think it was written by God through a person. But this was 100 people got, getting together that have recovered from something very horrible that none of them ever thought they could get through. So I like that use of we. And then when we turn to the conception of God, what I had to do is I, I was told early on that there is a conception of God that's not working for me. Being raised in church, that, that was very scary for me. It was almost sacrilegious to be told that. And I thought I had a good relationship with God. But if I looked into the mirror and I was truly honest with myself, I could see there was something amiss. Because the way I lived and the way my body looked was not something that God and I designed, or at least not something that God designed. It's something that I did. And the conception that I had to change, as it turned out, is I had to believe that God loved me in spite of the things that I have done in my life, in spite of my reaction to things that were done to me that were horrible and unfair and mean by the people who are supposed to love me the most. And so that conception changed, and it took time for that to happen. But once it did, I realized, and I love the saying, that if I even turn my eyes toward God, he will drop everything, drop his book bag, and run to me. Absolutely run to love on me and give me a big hug. Every time, no matter what has happened, no matter what I have done, that is the forgiveness that God gives me. And I am so proud for that. I am so fortunate that I am now through program in a state that I can accept that. Because that was the only barrier that was ever there. God never threw a barrier up on me. It was me that did that. Through my character defects and my blindness to how my character defects had begun to rule my life. So I'm thankful for program. I, I won't be up there this year. I, I'm sorry that I can't come, but I hope you guys have a great time that are going. Have a good day. Thank you, Chuck. And next is Katie G, followed by Reba P. Hi, Katie. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic in Boston. So where are we? We are in step four, right? So we just we just concluded um, that the fear problem is well for me it was my primary disturbance you know like i i operated on fear and um and now it's saying okay well you don't katie you can't look look at what your life look what happens to your life when you're in fear and self-reliance and blocking god out and the fourth step showed me what my role is notice it's asking me to play the role god assigns Right. And so all my ideas of who KDG gets to be are reorganized and rearranged. And I find it interesting. It's asking me not just to trust. Trust is a belief, but to rely, to be dependent on God. You know, and what does that mean? Well, I have to say, like, step four showed me resentments, fears, and we're going to get to relationship conduct you know, ha the role that I am not supposed to play, the, like who I am when I have no God. And, you know, I'm getting fired. I'm having hostages. I'm, you know, in a state of entire abstinence, throwing up all over the world. And I'm furious and rageful. And anything that happens, 
I am the great victim of the entire world. Right, but it tells me, you know, my primary purpose as a recovered woman today, my primary purpose, the most important role I have today is to stay abstinent and to help another woman. Sorry, guys, that's to help another woman, right, to help her find hope, to help her get her hand in God's. And then God shows me what the other roles are going to be. And I know that calamity can be internal in my interpretation of what's going on. Because there's no situation in this world that can happen that isn't a judgment call away from serenity, right? But I also had a sponsor in whom the problem has been solved remind me there is no guarantee for a perfect life. And I thought for many years as a recovered woman that because I did the time, I did the time. I had a bad childhood. I, had, I, I was a food addict. I, you know, things did not go great. But you know what? Things did not go great because I was in active addiction, right? And life is life. Calamity's going to happen. It's going to happen. Car crashes, fires, people are going to die, right? But today I know what it is I need to do when calamity hits and it's not eat. I don't even think about eating. Thank you, God. I think about how am I going to get through this moment? God, where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say and to whom? And today as a recovered woman, God willing, when calamity strikes, when it strikes, and I'll wrap up with this, Katie, I'm not raging and hating the world. I'm like, okay, God, where are you? Help me find you. Show me your path. That is a miracle. I'm not looking for the KDG show. God, show me your role today. So I'm going to keep, keep on showing up, walking and trudging with all of you shoulder to shoulder. With that, I pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. Okay, um, Reva P., you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. This paragraph is so pivotal for me um, because when I do this work, I learn that my resentments are really rooted in fear. And here I learn that my fear is rooted in self-reliance. And self-reliance tells me that I have to fix and solve my problems um, or things that I perceive as problems, that I should know the answer or that I do know the answer. And all my controlling behavior results from self-reliance. and fear. And this paragraph tells me that there's a better way um, and that a lot of my suffering and misery is because I think I know. I know how things should be for me. I know how things should be for others. And I run around controlling. um, And it's all motivated by fear. Um, And I guess what I learn in this um, part of the process is that If I'm in fear, I'm in self-reliance because I really think I know. I know how bad it's going to be. I know uh, what should be done. And the truth is, I don't know. Um, And when I trust and rely on God, I realize that things that I think are awful um, may turn out to be the best thing for me. and that the calamity has nothing to do with the external circumstances. That's what I love about this. It's like a promise that when I do trust and rely on an infinite God, who I don't have to understand, I just trust and rely, um, 
and sometimes I will never understand things that happen. But the calamity in my head where I'm spinning and all that chatter and racing around, um, that can be matched, you know, matched to the depth that I go into calamity, that's the depth that God can match it with serenity. And then I see evidence, and this is what motivates me. I see evidence of people. It doesn't matter what's going on in their lives. They can be serene because everything can be going well and I can be a crazy person and vice versa. This is the freedom of working the steps that I can be okay no matter what's going on in my life. It's about an internal condition not what's going on in the outsides. That was never my problem in the first place. Um, so I love, love this reminder. It's always about trusting and relying on God. I'm running around in fear. It's because I'm relying on self. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Elise M. Hi, good morning, Katie. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. I'm just going to start my timer. Um, you know, when I think about um, my fears, like I think for me, it, um, first of all, I came here. I found this meeting because I was living in crippling fear. Like that's where the disease had me at the end, and the food stopped working. Um, and I thought that was like horrible because now what am I going to do? And so guess what? Like, I don't know what's right for me. I don't know what's good for me because my fear actually turned out to be an incredible gift from God because I finally started paying attention. Um, you know, but for me, my fear was a lot like my relationship with the food. Um, you know, I, I wanted to live free from both. Like, I wanted to put the food down. I wanted to not be scared. And yet I felt unable to let them go. Like, I, I kept feeling... Like, I was entitled to an extra helping, you know, and, and I felt like, well, of course I'm scared. I can't help it. And I, and I couldn't understand how it was a defect because I can't help it was what I kept saying. Like, and, and, and I looked, for me, I looked at all the hard and painful experiences that I lived through. And, um, and yeah, guess what? We all, like, I listen here. Everybody has hard and painful experiences. It's called life. You know, no one gets out alive. That, that's just the way it is. And, you know, um, I lived through all these hard times, and I took that as data, that the world was cruel and scary, and God was not to be trusted, and it was up to me to, like, keep it together, keep myself safe, keep my kids safe, and... You know, my big problem is that I misinterpret the data. <laughs> you know, it's like um, I zoom right in on what went wrong. I zoom right in on the catastrophe, on losses, on difficulty, on pain. And somehow, like, I overlook all the good, you know, that, that like, through all those hard life events, there were people w walking beside me. God never left me alone. And and the biggest, like, thing that I missed out on seeing was that, like, I was still here. Like, like somehow I'm, I survived. I'm a survivor. And, you know, and so, like, I don't have to enjoy, guess what? I don't have to enjoy the role that God assigns me at all times. Because it doesn't say, oh, you get to, like, love this role that he gives you. Um, but I'm also not really great at... Um, 
at going with what's enjoyable. Like, after all, I enjoyed food, and I used that to kill me. So, um, you know, I don't know exactly for me, like, when the fear went away and when I was able to match calamity with serenity, but it happened. You know, and I have walked through, recovered some of the most difficult times, and I felt the nearness of my creator. You know, we don't remove our fears. God does that for us when we follow direction. Thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. And now we have Elise Ann, followed by Christina J. Hi, good morning. This is Elise. Um, thank you for calling on me. Um, and thank you for your service. And I'm getting very excited for the convention. I'm going to get to meet my sponsor and um, see a lot of you there, hopefully. Um, but uh, also just, you know, this this part of the book. I mean, I'm just, you know, my... I'm I'm building, you know, my relationship with God and that's, you know, and service to others. And that's really, really exciting. Um, and to, you know, and my, with, um, you know, fear matching calamity, I was terrified, you know, like I, um, money used to terrify me. And part of it was, you know, I grew up in a household. I guess the undercurrent was that men know money, women don't kind of thing. And, you know, my dad did take care of the money. He's a very good provider. And my mother kind of spent it. And she was at home taking care of us. And I never learned how to handle it. And when I married somebody who wasn't handling it well, I didn't know what to do. Um, and that scared me. And it got me, you know, and I... When I get scared, so what happens? You know, so I go, I turn to the food. Um, and for other reasons, too. And so now, you know, I have another fellowship to deal with that, just, you know, the vagueness and to, to teach me how to, to work with money. And, you know, and I'm, you know, because I'm on my own, my husband passed away. Um, and I'm also, you know, also just living one day at a time. And, you know, and, and my my life is, is happy, joyous, and free. And why is that? Because I'm, I'm working my program. I'm working like my, this program like my hair's on fire and enjoying every minute of it. And that's, that's um, it's okay. It doesn't say that, that, that life isn't hard work. You know, life can be good, but it is hard work. Um, and I'm grateful to be alive and well and able to do that hard work. So thanks for listening, and I look forward to seeing everybody at the marvelous convention. Okay, take care. Thank you, Elise. And now we'll have Christina J. followed by Santa H., and then we'll open it up again for more shares. Did you call on me? This is Christina J. Christina J. Yes, I did. Thank you. Thank you so much for your service, Christine uh-huh. Jay, from the state of Washington uh, this morning. And, um, boy, this paragraph has a lot in it. Uh, we're on a different basis, trusting and relying on God. It took me years to get to that point. We trust infinite God rather than ourselves. We play the role he assigns. We humbly rely on him. Wow. A lot of stuff in there. Uh, I had a relationship with God since I was a young girl, but I... Uh, it was like God was one of those wives in the stories in the back of the book 
they kept holding on for their husbands and holding on and holding on and holding on and they would go out and get drunk and do their thing and come home and the wife would still be there. That was me running around trying to please everyone in the world. Uh, and then I'd, I'd come home and things wouldn't go right and I'd pray and God would be there. He's still waiting for me. He held space for me for 60 years waiting for me to come to him, waiting for me to trust him, to play the role he assigned, to humbly rely on him, um, and to surrender my fears to him, which have been the driving force of everything in my life. <clears throat> I was going out to please everyone else. It was like uh, being married, again, another example. And uh, instead of working to please my husband and be a good wife, I was working to please everybody else out there because I thought they were going to give me what I wanted. I thought they were going to give me validation and um, love and all that. And where I get that today is within myself, where my God lives. He doesn't live out there in all those people or those institutions. He lives right inside in the center of my being. How do I do that? How do I forge that relationship so I can trust God and play the role he assigns and humbly rely on him? <clears throat> I sit quietly every day, and I connect in that heart space. Because I get up, and I'm insane. I'm insane in the morning. My brain is going a 1,000 miles a minute. So I go, and I sit in a chair, and I begin to breathe deep because I am messed up when I get up, usually most mornings. And I begin to breathe deep in and out of that heart center. And that takes me out of my crazy mind. And soon I'm realizing that all those thoughts are just monkeys jumping around like wild animals. And they don't have any basis of truth in them. <clears throat> so working the meditation. And also when I get on this line, I, you know, maybe the meditation didn't work that well. I cue, it, I, I cue into the meeting. Soon I'm hearing fellows on the line sharing their experience, strength, and hope, and their love, and their connections with God. And soon my spirit is lifted. I listen to a podcast, I read the steps, I do the steps, I practice pausing during the day and getting back into that awareness of God. And soon I'm humbly relying on him and I'm trusting him. And um, I'm asking him right now in my life because I don't know what, continue, what, what I'm going to wrap up soon, what role he wants me to play, really. So I'm, I'm having to sit back and just listen quietly and get quiet and keep those monkeys down with all the information they think they know about pleasing everyone in the world. So I'm grateful to be on the line. Sadly, I won't be there this year, but of course I'll be there in spirit. I wish everyone a wonderful time and love to all. I pass. Thank you so much, Christina J. And Santa H. Europe. Yeah, good morning to my fellows and a special thank you to Team Thursday. My name is Santa H. And I'm a grateful recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And I'm just 40 minutes away from Newark. And I'm so excited to see some of you today and the rest of you throughout the weekend. Oh, wow. I, de- I definitely needed this reminder today. Um, we trust infinite God rather than our finite self. And this is here on the inventory that I use where the, the third and fourth column, where the fourth, third column says, where was my trust and reliance? And it's always on finite self when I'm in fear. And does self-reliance work? And the answer is always no for me. And so practicing living in the world that he assigned is a moment-by-moment, step-by-step process for me because I sometimes don't hear my higher power. At least I'm thinking I don't. But my higher power is always there, and I hear my higher power speaking to me through my intuition. And my intuition sometimes can give me signs that um, I'm not feeling right about something. Something here is not right. And my sponsor told me that when I get those feelings to just stop, 
just stop. And I'm going through a situation now where I want to see the future. I'm really excited about what's happening in my life, and I want to know the answer for tomorrow. But I just have to practice living in the present moment and realize that it's all going to fall the way it's supposed to be. And um, I just want to close out with the, with this wonderful prayer that helps me through my fears. It's a prayer of surrender. It says, my higher power, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean I'm, I'm exactly doing so. But I believe the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that desire in all that I am doing, I hope I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know if I do this, you will lead me through the right road. Though I may not know nothing about it, therefore I will trust you always. And though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. By Thomas Morton. And thank you so much for allowing me to share. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry, Santa, that was a beautiful prayer. I love that. Okay, so now I'm going to take some more names. Diane Sandra A. Um, okay, wait, 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 wait a second, please. Diane B. Barbara okay. Sam S. Sandra um, Amy G. So I'm sorry, I'm, I'm just completely, I haven't written one thing down because I was going to say where we are because there's lots of people that may not even know what page we're on. So we're on page 68, the second paragraph. And so now, please say your name. I heard Barbara. Sandra S. Laura M. Sandra S. Darian K. Julie M. Okay. Um, Amy G. Amy Sam G. F. Sam or Kim. Sam. Sam S. Thank you. Okay, let me say who I have so far. I have Barbara E., Sandy, I'm not sure the initial, Larry K., Julie M., Amy G., Sam S., and who did I miss? Press star one. I think someone muted the whole room. Irene B.? Diane B. Irene B. Diane B. Okay, let's stop there. Okay, so I have Barbara E, Sandy, maybe S, Larry K, Julie M, Amy G, Sam S, Irene B, and Diane B. Hopefully we'll get all of you in. And go ahead, please, Barbara E. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, good. Thank you so much. I was just talking to a lovely lady who was so helpful to me in the rehab center, and I didn't realize you had called my name. Um, I just wanted to say that as a child, I was really, really fearful. I've said that before. My father had died early, and I thought that I would, my mother would follow and I'd be left all alone and orphaned. But not only that, as I was reflecting on what's been said before this, I was a very spoiled, only child. When I asked my mother for something, she did it, and she did it fast. 
So that's what I expected out of life. I expected people to follow my script, and they don't always follow my script. In fact, they rarely follow my script. Sometimes I expect them to follow it without even telling them what the script is. How unfair is that? All I know is that I walked around this rehab yesterday thanking everyone here on the top floor for all the wonderful work they've done, whether I knew them or not, because quite honestly, being a bit drugged, everyone looked the same. And I know that I had stepped on some toes because I had wanted things done in my time and I never appreciating the fact that they too were probably terribly overworked and couldn't jump to the tune that everyone wanted. We all want help when we're not feeling well and we can't all get it. And someone used a phrase in a beautiful poem before that I love myself. But the good, when I listen for that tiny whisper of God talking to me, this God that I now rely on, it's sort of like a little flame inside me that says, Barbara, pause, think. Would you want to say that? Would you want someone to say that to you in that tone of voice? And if the answer is no, then you've got to stop and think. Should I say it at all? And if it's worth saying, say it, but say it in a kind fashion. And the woman who was just in here was one of the women that I really, really wanted to apologize to because she wasn't moving in my time. And that's wrong. And that's that little flame that flickers. And I too, unfortunately, will not be able to join you in Newark but my heart will be with you and I know you will have a wonderful time and exciting things to share with all of us when you come back. I was fortunate enough to be there in 2017 and I promise you if you're nervous, you are about to meet eight or 900 of the best friends you'll ever have because they all understand you and they love you. God loves me. Thank you. God loves me just the way I am, but too much to let me stay that way. Thank you, Arthur. Thank you, Barbara. Okay, Sandy S., you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Good morning to all of you and those that did service this morning. Thank you. This is Sandy S. from Oklahoma, and I'm a compulsive overeater. I thank God for the spiritual experience uh, that I received in being able to let go and let God. I live such a free life, freedom that I've never known before, freedom that I didn't ever think existed, freedom from the past, freedom from today, freedom from yesterday, freedom from the food, freedom from if people like me or not, freedom from having to make my own decisions and do what I think is right. It's so good when it comes to you and he makes you aware of of the role that he has for you to play. He is so good because the ones that he frees is truly free indeed. And when I realized 
the role that God had for me. It has been such an amazing life, the life of abstinence that I've walked for seven months as of the ninth of this month has been so amazing. The abstinence of my heart and my mind, the shackles dropped from me. It was like running and running into freedom, and I feel like a child that's playing in an open field with tons of butterflies and kites and the sun shining and a gentle breeze. It is so great. I'm thankful for this program. I'm thankful to all of my fellows that I've gotten to know across the continental U.S. I look forward to this weekend. I am the speaker here in Oklahoma City for Idea Day, and that thing that we're talking about this morning of letting go and letting God is going to be one of my main topics. With this, I pass. Thank you. God bless. Thank you so much, Sandy. And Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Julie M. Katie, can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay. This is really weird. Normally I'm in my pajamas, but I'm in Newark, New Jersey, in a, in a room full of, of some, some beautiful, lovely people. And um, and I can feel uh, very separate sometimes when I'm in my pajamas at home sharing. And now I'm looking at Katie. <laughs> She's right across the room. Um, it's kind of strange. But, but I would tell you that, you know, one of the things that I want to focus on, it's kind of weird seeing people's faces and putting their voices with their faces. It's different. Um, but one, one of the things that I want to remember is that um, God has a role for me to play. Part of working these steps for me is to is to truly understand what is that role. I'm trying to discern what that role is for me today. I need to place my trust in infinite God. I choose to place my trust in infinite God rather than my finite self. But how am I going to do that? Because sometimes I just think I'm this separate body, that I'm separate. But really, in the room that I'm in right now with a few people, we're, 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 we're together. We're, we're, we can feel separate individuals, but we're not separate at all. You know, and I don't care if there's 800 people, there's eight people, there's, there's whatever it is. I know that God is present. This program, for me, and, and some of the fears surrounding it would suggest that, you know, that God would have me uh, carry that fear. But, you know, the reality for me today is that there is no fear because I know that God is present, that I know that God will show me if I'm open. I need to move away from a Larry-centered consciousness, these steps help me to move from a Larry-centered consciousness to a God-centered consciousness. That's the whole basis of this program for me today. It is so beautiful to be, I, 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 didn't, I had other plans for my life, I will tell you. I had other plans. It, it wasn't to be part of Overeaters Anonymous, I can assure you. <laughs> that was not my plan. But, but here I am, and, and what a beautiful plan that God, God had a plan, I just didn't know what it was. And so today, I just have, I'm oozing with gratitude to be uh, just in the midst of some of my fellows. So with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, uh, Larry. And now we'll have Julie M. followed by Amy G. Hi, this is Julie M. Recovered in Arizona. Um, I have many things highlighted in this book. I have a couple highlights in this paragraph. But more importantly, I have a box around it with stars 
pointing to the word scary. And I'm so grateful that I wrote that years ago when I first started working through the big book because it reminds me that where today I do trust God rather than myself or I at least make the attempt to do that with issues in my life, that used to be terrifying. It used to be so far from my reality. And when I first came into program, the word, I couldn't even say the word God. It wouldn't even, it was like a a dirty word in my mouth. It felt awful. I couldn't even say higher power for a long time. I could say HP. And before that, it was Mother Nature. Mother Nature is my first source of, of connection. And I, I think about this, this part of the book where it's, it's encouraging me to trust God and to humbly rely on him. And even today where that's part of my life, it's not always part of every aspect of my life. It's not like this blanket that covers everything. I, I learned to do this more than anything because my daughter is a meth addict. And early in her life, she taught me that I have zero control over her. And I, I go back to the, the serenity prayer. And I had to learn, um, you know, what part of this I can even deal with and what I can't. And she taught me the most about surrender of anyone in my life. But there are other areas of my life where the boundary between what I can control and what I can't, where's the footwork that I need to do and how much do I, do I rely on God is not always as clear. But when I get quiet and I truly ask and I truly am open to receiving and I say something like, um, God, what would you have me be in this situation? And I really listen. I generally get the answer and maybe not right away. Sometimes I have to ask multiple times, but I have learned to surrender and to rely on God. And my life is so different today. And the fact that I can accept my daughter exactly as she is and love her beyond measure um, is the biggest gift I have. So thank you. Thank you so much, Julie. Okay, Amy G, followed by Sam S. And we have four people left with nine minutes. So if you could share, that would be great. Share the time, that is. Thank you. Hi, Katie. My name is Amy G, recovered compulsive reader from Maryland in Newark, New Jersey, joining the party this weekend. So exciting. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so. A better way from what? Well, again, we've been talking about the fourth step and the realization that my fears are all based on my selfishness, my self-centeredness. The prior paragraph yesterday, wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Clearly, that word self is also another four-letter word. And for me, realizing that that self-reliance failed me, that please God, if it failed me so much so that I am a compulsive overeater and I'm killing myself with this disease, please God, may there be a better way. And there is. We believe and we think so. We think so, so much that we have a weekend this weekend that we're going to go through the 12 steps because we believe and know and have experienced the power that it has to transform lives, the power that this big book has to absolutely transform my life and make it a fourth dimension that I could have never imagined. I didn't know any better way. I couldn't. I didn't know until this disease. And this is where I can say I'm a grateful 
a recovered compulsive overeater because if it wasn't for what I have gone through and my reliance and feeling, my self-reliance and having it failed, I was forced to come to a program and understand that there was a different way to live. I didn't have to go it on my own. I could have higher power. And not only that, I could have a higher power that gave me a role and a purpose in my life today. Never in my wildest imagining would I ever think that my experience of what it was like, what happened, and what it is like now have the power to carry a message of depth and weight, that there is hope, that there is recovery, that there is freedom from the food calling me 24-7 and my inability to not put it in my mouth. That is the new role that I am, I've been assigned, to carry the message, to get recovered, and to carry the message to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. It is a role that I never dreamed possible, but it is beyond my wildest imagining. I can't wait to see you all here this weekend. And without that, thanks. Thank you, Amy. Okay, Sam S., you're up, followed by Irene B., Good morning and thank you. This is Sam S. from Rhode Island. Um, had my word nerd moment of the day. I actually looked up the word for basis this morning instead of a calamity, but the underlying support or foundation for an idea, argument, or process, and the system or principles according to which an activity or process is carried on. Wow, so God is my basis and it's not me anymore. And because I've done this work, in the fourth step, and I've identified pattern after pattern and coping skill after coping skill, if I'm doing a, uh, you know, a, a daily inventory and seeing, you know, what went wrong, what's bothering me, you know, what have I done, I can see where I'm becoming Sam-reliant and not God-reliant. And I think the shift in that principle that I'm doing is, you know, not beating myself up anymore if I'm noticing, you know, I coped with that again, I did it again, I said it again. Um, now I can um, practice that self-forgiveness first and then ask God, you know, what, what can I do now? Um, who would you have me be now? And, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I can put down the bag of rocks. I can put down the stones, the woulda, coulda, shouldas, and uh, I can just do the next right thing. And I'm just so grateful I can go in, onto a meeting and hear the solution over and over and over again. And, you know, that solution isn't me. It's in God. It's in uh, all of uh, God's people, which I believe is everybody um, on this um, round. So I'm going to just pass, and uh, I'll be in uh, New Jersey in spirit. I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sam. And we have five minutes left for Irene and Diane B. Good morning. This is Irene B. I'm gratefully recovering bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'll make it quick. I know that's very difficult for me. Thank you so much for listening and catching my name. I apologize that I shared yesterday, but I just, uh, I need this meeting for clarity, and speaking seems to give me clarity. And for me, I'm a, I learn by doing. And when I do my fear inventory, and when you say time and again, was it self-reliance or God-reliance and did it work? Man, I see that pattern. I see it clearly. Oh, my gosh. What a beautiful tool. You said God-reliance or self-reliance. Every single time, it's like, okay, this self-reliance thing isn't so good. And I just love what somebody shared yesterday saying that fear is a good barometer, that, that 
that we're backing self-reliance. Oh, my gosh. What a tool. And I'm sure that's intuitive to all of you, but I need more. So that was very helpful to me, that fear is a good barometer, that I am in self-reliance. And yesterday I shared that one day I perhaps will find that fear is my only character defect because it's what really feeds everything else, every one of my character defects. But I think entitlement is going to remain on its own standalone self. So I'm thankful that God will remove those from me. I'm thankful that God has given me the clarity that and sharing in the program has given me the clarity to see what these things are. Because if I don't know what I'm dealing with, I cannot address it. And I know it's not my job to remove them. I know that God will take those from me. And for me to say that I know that, that is incredible. That's a gift. That's recovery. That's progress. It's not me who's going to do it. God is going to do it for me. Praise be to God. Thank God that he can do for me that which I cannot do for myself without I pass. And I'm so sorry I won't see you, but hopefully I'll see you in January. Thank you so much, Irene. And now our last chair for today will be Diane B. And you have two minutes, please. Good morning. Could you please time me? This is Diane B. in New York, uh, soon to be in New Jersey tomorrow. No, tonight. yeah, tomorrow. Anyway, so what I wanted to say about this is that I constantly lived in fear. I was raised being told, if you want something done right, do it yourself. And there are two parts to that. First, it was something to do right. And, of course, that was right according to Diane. That was my world. Um, and then doing it myself made me very, I became very self-sufficient. And that didn't work. My life was full of calamity. It, it really, it was not, um, it was not going smoothly. It definitely was not serene. And I still have fear today, but I don't act out from it. And that's the difference because today I have a plan of action. I have people, fellows to help me get back on track and they help me to reconnect with my higher power. So the fear does not run my life anymore. It doesn't direct my life. Today, my higher power is my director. And as long as I can remember that and act that way and rely on it, then things in my life go much, much better. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Okay. Well, we have 30 seconds. Take that. Okay, thank you everyone who shared today and please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, November 14th, 2019, 7 a.m. meeting is 13,661, 13661. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer. Will Leon B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning, Leon B. Gratefully recovered. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is now The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great factor. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find. Join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. May God bless you and keep